On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between, this is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Hey, 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 happy December 7th. Happy first night of Hanukkah to those who celebrates. I saw St. Nick's was early this week. Forgive me, I didn't grow up with St. Nick's. I didn't know that was a thing up here. Uh, I remember uh, Vince and Eric were really making fun of me for not knowing anything about it last year uh, on the morning show. But I digress. Happy holidays. It's great to be with you once again. And, man, uh, the last time we talked, we were saying, hey, this could happen with Jackson Churio. And then, boom, it happened on Monday of this week. He is officially signed to be a brewer. It is exciting. It is fun. And we've got a lot to react to with that. The bulk of this show, though, is going to be a conversation I taped earlier this afternoon with Mike Guerrero, his double-A manager down in Biloxi. And, and Mike has been in the organization for nearly 30 years. He's been in baseball for nearly 40 years. His father, Epi, was a great scout in the Dominican for years and years and years of events. So a lifetime of baseball for the Guerrero family. And I really appreciated him making some time. We talked plenty about Jackson here coming up in a little bit. Talked a little bit about Tyler Black and Hefferson Caro. They're on the way, too. And as well as his career and what he's seen in the Brewers organization and what they do so well to keep him around and what keeps him going uh, in this baseball world. On the back end, I'm going to talk a little winter meetings. Going to talk a little reaction to everything else that's happened in the league. Wade Miley is back as well. We're also going to react to the Corbin Burns news this week, too. So all of that to get to, but I want to burn a break here early in the show so we can play all of the Mike Guerrero interviews. So... Take our quick breather, line it up, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line, old National Bank, get old. Take a breather, come back, Mike Guerrero after this on WTMJ. Welcome back, as mentioned a moment ago, Mike Guerrero gave me about 25 minutes of his time earlier today, I want to play uh, this interview with you, all of this on the heels of Jackson Churio signing an eight-year guaranteed, plus two option years on the back end of that deal. Uh, to stay with the Brewers upwards of $80 million. We talked about it a lot in last week's show, so I would recommend you to listen to that if you want more of how I feel about it. I think this is a great move for both parties, but let's talk about the player. Let's talk about the guy that Jackson is from the guy that saw him a lot this season and on his way up, Mike Guerrero, his double-A manager with the Biloxi Shuckers. My thanks to Javik Blake, their broadcast, for helping me set this up as well. Here's uh, myself and Mike chatting earlier today. With Mike Guerrero joining us here on WTMJ, you've seen a lot in your baseball career, and you saw a lot of Jackson Churio this past season. Obviously, he just signed the extension earlier this week. First and foremost, what was your reaction when you saw that the Brewers were talking about giving him this extension? And furthermore, if you were able to connect with him at all and how you excited how excited you are to see him get this opportunity with the Brewers? Well, uh, First and um, foremost, uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, you know, appreciate it. And uh, about Shorio, uh, you know, I, I was really excited. Uh, I, I, when you when you see the, the ability of, of, of this type of a player at that young age, uh, it would not surprise me what the Brewers did. Uh, I think it's the the smart smart thing to do. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just really happy. My reaction is yes. Uh, uh, you know, really happy for him. I text him and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and throughout the season, we talk about a lot of so many things. And, uh, you know, I, I try to, uh, uh, put on his mind what, 
he needs to do on an everyday basis and and you know those those things uh doesn't come along you know frequently and this, he's one of those players that doesn't come along uh frequently uh and i'm really just really happy for him to get this type of money it's it's life-changing money and he's earned it to say the least and in the the freshman documentary when the brewers crew came down to see you guys in biloxi i i really like the line you said that he's a supermarket he's got everything you need and was there any tool that maybe you were surprised by this year that he showcased at 19 years old in double a was there anything that in that supermarket oh i didn't realize he had that in the market too that he showed off for you this season well uh when when i said uh that you know he's he's uh he's a supermarket he got everything uh i really meant you know i i've been in in the organization for 38 years and and i've been in baseball for a long time and like you know, I started with my dad in a in young age, and 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 I seen a lot of baseball. I seen a, uh, I seen a lot of good baseball players, and and I and and I I could see the difference the that he brings to the table, uh, the intangibles that it doesn't come frequently. This he's special, and uh, you know the baseball know that he's special, and and that's why that I we're actually making this commitment to to Chorio uh is is a big commitment but we know what we had on the table uh we know what we saw uh and it's just a matter of, of time uh, there's not too many 19 years old that can do what he does on the field on a daily basis uh the only thing that he doesn't have is experience and that comes with time but everything else he has all the weapon to change the game in every aspect of the ball game. Uh, when you see that that type of talent at 19 years old, you know you can tell that an organization make a commitment like that is because that what he is able to do and bring to the table. He he's somebody that when I first got eyes on him the last two spring trainings. It, it matches up with what you've heard about him from you, from scouts, from people within the organization. And Matt Arnold put it perfectly. He has exceeded every challenge we have put in front of him, even even in the week and a half he spent in AAA. And I, I think to the first half of your season in the Southern League with the different baseball, the ball was spinning a little more. It was harder to hit. And then he adapted to that challenge and then furthermore when that ball was taken away from the pitchers he showed what he's definitely capable of doing did you see that change at the well, all-star break when he switched over you know i i i do think uh it makes him better of course just 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 think about it this way to a lot of of of, of the players in the league uh if you're able to have success when a, a ball is spinning to that rate uh and the batting average and the making a regular pitcher be you know absurd uh with the spin that they have you know it's like we we at that level make the pitchers so much better in that it actually help out help us develop our guys mm -hmm. because you're if you're able to compete with that type of baseball when they take when you come back down to reality now 
now they see they they see that the breaking ball is not spinning as uh, like and you know on on a, a absurd rate and all that kind of stuff so it makes our players a lot better and you can see and you can see it on Julio, you can see it on on a um, on, on Blackie, and you can see it on, on Carol. You can see it in all actually in all our guys. Uh, you know, our team became better. You know, after they took the ball, um, ball the ball away, that it was impressive. Just because we're trying to maintain an approach and trying to, uh, you know, uh, as a philosophy, as a, as a hitting philosophy, our hitters got so much better after. With the uh, with the in, those balls that were improved when they took it away and became normal, our our hitters just uh, were in another step. So it, it it worked it worked it worked to our advantage because it makes our 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 players a lot better at the end. And, and to to finish that point, the numbers go like this for Jackson. In the first half of the season, with the spinny, tacky baseball, he hit 249, a 714 OPS, 14 doubles, 11 homers still, but a lot more strikeouts than we're used to seeing out of him. 69 strikeouts in just shy of 300 at-bats, which isn't like Jackson. That's striking out nearly a quarter of the time. When you switched it back over to the regular baseball for the second half of the Southern League season, they were the only league that did the, the test on the sticky ball. He went up to a 323 batting average, a 924 OPS, and he struck out roughly 15% of the time. So you, you could see exactly what Mike is talking about there with the numbers jumping off the page of how great Jackson was in the second half of the season, how they got better by seeing tougher breaking balls in the beginning of the year. We'll talk about Tyler Black. We'll talk about Cairo. We'll talk about some more coming up next. More with Mike Guerrero, the AA manager of the Bloxy Shuckers, after this on WTMJ. Biloxi, Mississippi, the AA affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers in the Southern League. Good call with Mississippi Queen there. Matt Sossler, our producer on WTMJ. We're still chatting with Mike Guerrero. I'm Dom Catronio. Let's talk about the other guys that maybe had their headlines stolen because of what Jackson Churio was doing this season. Tyler Black's year was ridiculous. And I don't want to take anything away from Jackson. Jackson's a freak. He's 19 years old, going to be 20 next season. His numbers are insane. Uh, Tyler Black's only 22, guys. Tyler Black is only 22. He had a 284 average, a 930 OPS, 25 doubles, 12 triples, 18 homers. Oh, by the way, he stole 55 backs. Oh, Everson Caro, he won the gold glove for catchers in the minor leagues. The farm is in good hands. Let's talk about those guys with Mike Guerrero. See, I, I, I do think that a lot of times... Uh... In baseball, we just we we're we're just look at players uh, on the offensive side if, to tell you, oh, he's if he's offensively, he is a good player. And I don't see players like that. I think uh, you know the, the way I look at players, you gotta you gotta be a full package, or you're at the age. And, and and the way we play the ba- baseball, you got to be a, a, a defensively a defensive player that is can allow our defensive unit to play the game the right way. So as a defensive unit, we want to develop guys that are able to uh, stop runs as much as you can. 
And so when you look at Black and the, 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 all the improvement that he has done, he came from the outfield uh, to play third base, learn a new position, uh, a, a new position since spring training, played at a great third baseman. You look at the numbers and uh, you go, this, this guy played a really good third baseman. But also, he made the adjustment during this in-season, halfway in the season, to learn how to play first base. And a, a lot of people don't, you know, don't understand this. When you have to make an adjustment to learn how to play in-season and another position, how much it takes out of your body. And this is, this is credit to Tyler Black, what he has done uh, and, and all the hard work that he's doing. And I, don't, I, I see Tyler Black as a, as a pretty good ball player all around, what he brings offensively, what he brings defensively. And I can see where he can, you know, help us out in, in the infield, at third base. And then uh, if he can become a regular, uh, uh, just an average third baseman, uh, and you know he will be an an average first baseman, uh, but uh, but like I said, he only has one year. How many people with one year can is able to do that? That's that speak to the to the hard work that he's put in, and 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 the ability that he has. I think Tyler Black at one point next year he's gonna contribute into our big league ball club, uh, either both ways, defensively and offensively, and what he is as a ball player. Uh it's it's really it's it's really bright the the what the what he brings and and you know I'm really proud of uh, all the achievement that he did and that he achieved last year. Uh incredible ball player. Uh and you know just my hat to him. He really really turned some heads this season. I I, I truly think he's gonna be a candidate for spring training to even break camp with the team. I mean, you look at this youth movement that this team has had, there's an opportunity potentially at third base with him and Andrew Monasterio. So I'm excited to see more of Tyler Black this spring. Uh, another guy that we know him defensively, and he earned a gold glove for his work defensively, is Harrison Caro, top catching prospect in the Brewers org. Maybe, now that would be really fast if you were going to be breaking camp, but he is on the 40-man roster. And... Battled some injuries this season, but it seems all systems go is this kid's going to be one of the next great catchers in the game. Uh, well, you know, I can, I can, I can tell you one thing. Uh, Carol, you know, really turns all, some head around. Um, at 20 years old, the tool, the skill, the package that he brings uh, is it will <laughs> cut your eye, eyes real quick. Uh, the way he he throws the ball. Uh, and the way that he calls a ball game, he's able and receive and unoffensively. He's not a, he's, he's not a, a like just a ninth hitter. Uh, it's a guy that's learning and that is a like, it's a guy that has pop and a guy that can hit the ball all around the, the field. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, three guys right now that are only the only thing that they're missing is experience. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that, that will, you know, getting, get combined with that talent, it's going to be, you know, the, the, the future is bright for the Brewers, especially with those three guys. And it's, it's really, it's really impressive. Uh, uh, really proud of all the, achieve, all, all, everything that he'd achieved. Yes, he went through a lot of 
a lot of the injuries. Uh, but those injuries are part of the position that he plays. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, and 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 to come back with uh, from those injuries and you know and and look like he never missed a beat. Uh, you know that that show you how tough it is because you got to be tough to play that position. You got to be a leader to play that position. You have to have the right uh, mentality to 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 uh, contribute into a ball club and into a winning ball club uh, behind the plate. Uh, and he and, and and he bring those intangibles to the plate. Uh, so Carol, you know, Blackie, uh, Chorio, and there is a lot of guys in there that you know were a big part of it. But those three guys are, you know, what what. And the age, you know, mm -hmm. the age that these guys have. Yeah, he's 20 years old. Chori is 19 uh, and, and Black is 22. Uh, you know, when you go and you start putting things together, you know, how many how many guys of that age are in the big leagues and, and are having, and, you know, or where they at at that age? You know, uh, so I think, uh, you know, the the brewers in my part hit the lotto mm -hmm. when you are able to get players to di this type of talent and uh, and and you have to get credit to our player development to being able to put together the right philosophy to develop these guys uh yeah. you know it's, it's and it's not just a, a one guy show i think it's the the everyone contribute in so many different ways and 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 you know and that's our job our jo that's that's our job that's you know to make these guys get better quicker so our big league team has has a, a younger talented uh players in, in the big league to contribute to big league wins that's that's the whole point of the minor leagues the minor leagues exist to help the big league team plain and simple full stop if you want to get, sometimes, even as a former minor league employee, like you get so wrapped up in the wins and losses. No, did the guy get better? That's all that matters in the minor leagues. And the Brewers have something cooking in the minor leagues right now. One more segment with Mike Guerrero. Again, the AA manager of the Biloxi Shuckers. You saw a lot of this core that's on the way for the Brewers coming up next. One more with Mike after this on WTMJ. Welcome back, Dom Catronio here. We're going to the top of the hour, 9 o'clock, Brewers Weekly. We'll be back next week as well with another program for you. And then before uh, Christmas, I'm going to have a longer Games of the Year uh, podcast alone episode to drop. So I hope you all enjoy that for your travels. Uh, something to be easy to pop in the car or throw on uh, on the plane and Relive some of the best games of the year. So I got that in the works right now as well. But in the meantime, we're still listening to Mike Guerrero. So our last segment with Mike, uh, AA manager of the Biloxi Shuckers. Spent a lot of time with Churio, with Black, with Caro, with uh, plenty of other stars in Biloxi over the years. Even Wade Miley went down there on a rehab assignment earlier this season. But Mike has spent, needless to say, his life in baseball, nearly 40 years in the game, set it at the top of the show as well. His father was a scout. His brother played ball as well. He played ball as well. I mean, this is a baseball family from the Dominican. So I wanted to get a little bit of Mike's background and a little bit of uh, what he's learned over the years to uh, come across and the type of people that the Brewers have in their organization helping out the guys in the minor league. So one more segment with Mike Guerrero. Oh, I think, uh, you know, spending a lot of, I, I spent a, 
I, I was born in the Dominican and, and spent a lot of time uh, running the academy in the Dominican and, uh, and, and managing and see a lot of players. And I, I was gifted uh, by the, having uh, uh, probably one of the best scouts as, as a dad and, and going out there in, uh, and, 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 and see and gather experience for what he looks for. There, you know, players have intangibles, special tools that in reality have to come with the player. You can improve those tools, but the player have to have those tools. If you don't have it, I cannot make it. <laughs> I cannot improve what you don't have. <laughs> you know, so these these guys have the have those tools, and these guys have that, and you know everything in and especially their, their mind the mentality their instincts uh the iq about baseball and and all of that those are things that you gotta have as you come as a player the only way that i can help you out if you have it so i can improve that and and you know there there are god-given talent if god didn't give you a, a, a tool how can I improve it? You don't have it. So, I definitely don't. <laughs> you know, so and, and that's and that's and that's where you know the the, the one thing is that when uh, you know you got to give credit to the scouts, you got to give credit to everyone that is has been involved to find these type of players, because now we can see as they go along, uh, as we start working with them, what they bring to the table, and you know, the best one always come to the top. Best ones always going to rise to the occasion. Uh, you know, they always say that Latin players, their their best time for a Latin player to see where they at is from 19 to 22. Uh, and you can see that. But, uh, but, but you know, and those, those talent are special. Like I said earlier, you know, the Brewers hit the loader when we got find this type of talent. Uh, and, and, you know, we've been blessed. Uh, we got, we've been blessed by having this, these type of players and hopefully can translate, uh, into big league wins. And I know they're going to have a long careers in the big leagues. Uh, and, and, and be what we project them to be, you know, stars in the, uh, stars in the big leagues. It's going to be fun to watch. Last one for you here, Mike. I I see your resume a long, I mean, a lifetime of baseball, really. Over 30 years in and around the game, playing it, coaching it, helping the next generation. I mean, what keeps you going, man? I mean, what, what do you love about the game? You've seen multiple changes over the years of how we evaluate, how we play it, what's important, what's not important. What keeps you going heading into 2024 with baseball? Uh, you know, I, I I think what keeps me going when I see uh, things like what just happened to Chorio, uh, being able to uh, put my piece in there and help him out to overcome uh, over overcome uh, adversity and and get better uh, things, trying to uh, motivate people to uh, to get over obstacles. Uh, seeing a lot i think the, the way that the way that so many people uh, see the game differently i'm able to see the game differently i'm able to reach out uh, 
probably different ways to reach out players and get the best out of them and to achieve what they what they can achieve in, in, a, in a quicker pace. So what gets me going is I've been blessed by I've been blessed by God and by having a, a, a different set of eyes and uh, see the game differently and and you know to t- touch uh, players and to get better. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, it's just. Everything is depends how you how you look at it. I don't I don't I don't look at the game uh, trying to uh, what's for Mikey. I look at the game what's how can I help different people, touch different people, touch coaches, touch uh, make coaches better, made uh, people around me, my staff better. How can I I make because if I'm able to make my staff better, it's going to make my players better. If I'm able to help the players and everybody around, and I, I think it's, it's, it sends uh, it sends a different message uh, to everyone, uh, and that's what I, I'm looking for. Is I'm not looking for, you know, I don't have an ego at all. I'm just trying to help the players out and get my organization better. I've been a brewer for a long time, but I also love baseball, and you know, that's the, the the same mentality that my dad had. I think I got that from my dad. He, you know, he scouted for sixty years. Uh, I enjoy what I do. I live what I do. That's the difference. I live what I do, and uh, hopefully, it can translate to to my kids. Uh, you know, love what they do, and 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 don't. I don't. I don't go out there to what's looking for what's net for me. I go out, out there to try to help my players out, you know, and, and whatever half, uh, God has for me in, you know, it will, it will have it, but I'm not looking for it. Uh, you know, I'm trying to help, help my organization, my players out first. Makes perfect sense. And really, really well said, Mike, I really do appreciate the time and, it's uh, it's kind of crazy to think that we're already getting ready for spring training travels and getting everything loaded up for next season. But wish you all the best in 2024. Buenas suerte. Mucho gracias. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in Phoenix, my friend. Uh, I'll see you in Phoenix. And, and thank you for the opportunity. And God bless you all. I was thinking that was the, the, the maze version where the beat was going to drop. I, I didn't know which one you were playing, if it was going to be the original or not. But Matt Sossler on the ones and twos. Everybody, I'm Dom Catronio. We got about 15 minutes left in the program. And let's just lay it out what happened at the winter meetings this week for the Brewers, aside from Jackson Churio. Let's start with what Matt Arnold had to say to Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and Adam McAlvey of MLB.com. Is that they listened a lot on Corbin Burns. A lot came up from other teams. They're asking about Corbin Burns, which, duh, of course. And... I think teams have just been positioning themselves this week. A lot of groundwork. Really good story from Todd in the Journal Sentinel yesterday just about what this looks like, what this means, and that it's groundwork. And it, Matt brought up the point that last year it was a week after the winter meetings when they acquired William Contreras. So sometimes it's a lot of groundwork. It's a lot of listening. It's a lot of, hey, let me get back to your people. All our people come in like this and... These teams know the value of their players and maybe key targets they're looking for. The, the magic sauce, you know, if people are wondering, like, what's actually happening for teams evaluating, like, what, why are the, why did that Soto deal take so long to do? It's the 
teams have a number in mind. Like they have something that they value. Their algorithm is that they try to boil everything down to a single number of value, and they say, okay. You know, Corbin Burns, we believe, is worth this number value this year. It's like that really bad trade website that you see where people, like, level up. Like, all right, this is a good value. It, it is that, but not that formula. That's an awful website. Do not use that website. The thing about it is, with Corbin Burns in particular, I talked about this in my five things column last week when the winter meeting started. You can catch that here on WTNJ.com. The Brewers don't have to trade him. No one said they have to trade him. And quite frankly... They're not going to win the division without Corbin Burns. I'm sorry. I, I don't see them being legitimate playoff contenders without Corbin Burns. Now, does that mean they won't be entertaining if they do trade him? Depends on the return. But it also sets the stage for the youth movement. With that being said, that number of what you could be returning may not be what it needs to be right now. Right? They got the groundwork. And then come next week when Shohei hopefully signs here soon. And when... Blake Snell comes off the board, and Yoshinobu Yamamoto comes off the board, and Jordan Montgomery comes off the board, and all these teams are suddenly left without a date to the dance, and they're going to call about Corbin Burns, and maybe that number increases, and that's when the decision comes. I personally think there's no reason to trade him. I think the value of the sandwich pick, the value of the qualifying offer, and that draft pick that you get back, you essentially get a late first-rounder by letting Corbin Burns walk. That's the way the system works. It's pretty valuable. And this team has a knack of scouting and developing its own talent. So I'm listening on that. I'm I'm fine with that. The other big thing that happened, two pitchers were acquired. Joe Ross was signed to a major league deal. Yeah, that Joe Ross, Nationals for a long time, started, uh, started Game 6 of the World Series when Max Scherzer's neck froze up in 2019. Joe Ross, younger brother of Tyson Ross, Oakland A's legend. Shout out to the East Bay. But I'm joking, not a legend, not a legend at all, but great dude. Uh, Joe Ross, on a major league deal, which I thought was interesting, he's still coming back from Tommy John surgery twice. Uh, he ended his career with the Nationals in 2022. Last year, he spent the entire year in the Giants organization. He's a Bay Area native, but never made it back to the big leagues. Very limited work in the last month and a half of the season coming back from Tommy John. Potentially a swing man, but as we said at this time last year, when the Brewers signed... Wade Miley, who they just re-signed again, but everybody was asking, well, Don, why, why would they sign Wade Miley, right? They've got Corbin Burns, they've got Brandon Woodruff, they've got Freddie Peralta, they've got Adrian Hauser, they've got, you know, they had Aaron Ashby at the time, Eric Lauer, like, you had all, like, why, why would you sign somebody? You never know. You just never know. You can never have enough pitching. Look at last year as a perfect example. So, Joe Ross, Major League deal, I imagine they can do some injury list stuff with him still rehabbing until they need him, and then, you know, push that, kick that can down the road a little bit longer till the decision needs to be made. But Wade Miley's back, and I think that's a massive, massive deal. Really, really fun that his son Jeb is the one who convinced him to stay in Milwaukee. Like, you're either retiring or going back to Milwaukee. His family loves it. They've got another baby on the way, so congratulations to the Miley's uh, on that. And he's going to be such a great influence on the young kids in camp, you know, the Robert Gassers, the Jacob Mizorowskis, uh, the Carlos Rodriguez's. The the dude loves the game. I, I love talking to Wade Miley. I remember I had a great conversation with Wade just hanging out in the dugout at Wrigley, and it was after that great start he had uh, in that four-game series in August, remember when the Brewers lost 
three out of four or two out of three, and it was a two game. Anyway, I digress. You remember that great start he had. Brewers got out hot out of the gates against the Cubs and Jameson Tyone, but his changeup looked really good. And we just sat there and chatted about it and nerded out for a little bit. I, I love talking to Wade Miley. The team loves Wade Miley. Pat Murphy loves Wade Miley. I love that signing. I love that signing. So let's say you don't trade Corbin Burns. Right? So your rotation looks like this. Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Wade Miley, Adrian Hauser, Colin Ray. You can bring up Gasser if you so wish. You can take your time with Mizorowski. You can take your time with Rodriguez. Ashby can probably be put in the bullpen since we don't know if his arm's going to be back yet until spring training. I'm fine with that five. I, I, I mean, what's not to like? I'm fine with that five. I think that's a solid five. It's probably on equal footing to... To the Cardinals as of now, Sonny Gray is the one. Corbin Burns is the one. I, I give the slight edge to Corbin. Then the two, Freddie Peralta. He's been great. Flash is brilliant. Flash is not so brilliant. Then you got Lance Lynn for them. I I mean, I, I still think they're the best rotation in the division. Now, that could change with the Cubs if they get Yamamoto or if they get Ia, you know, Chibu, if they get Snell, whatever happens. But as of now, I, I love the Brewers pitching staff, assuming Burns is back. I, I I think the Brewers are in very good shape. Obviously, the Churio stuff is huge, too. But I, I, I love even more the quote from Pat Murphy that, you know, he's still 94 to me. I don't care that he signed the deal. He hasn't made the team yet. You know, th- that's a thing in spring training, right? You don't have a good, you know, air quotes, good number until you make the team, right? Like, 94 isn't a baseball number. That's a defensive end in football number. So, his jersey number is 11, according to the team store. I wouldn't be surprised if Pat Murphy oh, he will. puts that 94 on his locker. You know, I, I, I really want that to happen. I think that would be really cool to watch coming up in two months' time in spring training. Going to take our last break of the show, come back with some overall winter meeting slots, overall... MLB thoughts as we get ready to say goodnight here on WTMJ. Okay, I feel bad. i got to come roll in with a mea culpa. I told you it was going to be an exciting week with the winter meetings. Everything was going to be awesome. Trades and moves and things. Well, it was exciting on Monday for Brewers fans. The rest of the meetings were kind of a dud. That happens from time to time. I'm Dominic Catronio. Last five minutes of the show or so here. Let me... I, I really liked Ken Rosenthal's column in The Athletic. Just talking about what what can baseball do? What did they learn anything from the lockout in 2022 that there was this frenzy of moves right before the lockout started on November 2nd or November 30th, whatever it was, and then the frenzy of moves right after when they opened back up for business? Is there a way to manufacture urgency around the winter meetings? Maybe. He suggested multi-year deals would be the you know you have a deadline for. It. I'm like, why why does it have to be multi-year deals? What if you did like, you know, by tomorrow night, the week of the winter meetings, by Friday night of the winter meetings, you have to have made all your moves or whatever, and then you go into a freeze, a transaction freeze until like, I don't know, January twentieth, because by that point you're less than a month from pitchers and catchers reporting, so there is going to be urgency on that end of the freeze as well, and teams will have time to figure out what they want. They'll be chatting with each other and things like that. But my one gripe 
with everything that happened this week with Shohei Otani not signing and allegedly his agent is mad that the Dodgers leaked that he had a meeting with them and all this stuff, cry me a river, man. You're about to get paid $500 million and everybody on planet Earth knows the Dodgers have been saving for you. And you're mad that, oh, Dave he Roberts. He wants a show. What? He wants a show. No, no, no. He doesn't want a show. That's ridiculous. Based on that, he wants a dramatic announcement and a massive curveball to show where he's going. The catch is, I don't see a place where he could wind up that's going to be a shock to the people in the baseball exactly. and in the world in general. And, and furthermore, American press is so easy on him. He hasn't spoken to the media in four months. And you're telling me when he won the MVP, the conveniently, like there was supposed to be a Q&A after with the media. And conveniently, oh, the technical difficulties. We couldn't chat with Shohei Otani. You really think, you really think there were technical difficulties with Shohei Otani? Cry me a river. Everyone knows the Dodgers are the frontrunners. Everybody knows. They didn't break a rule by disclosing that. You can say you met with a free agent. You can't disclose terms. You can't disclose what you're going to offer. Counter. You can't disclose the nitty-gritty. That's fine. We'll find all that out once he signs. But if you're having meetings, and apparently he met with the Giants, and he's meeting with uh, the the Blue Jays, or he, and he was mad about that leaking, you know what? No, would be a great time for all of this to happen. The winter meetings. So put a deadline on it. That would make it a lot more exciting, in my opinion. Say, okay, you know, free agency starts five days after the World Series ends. Keep that normal. Then you have until the Thursday night of the winter meetings week. So it will be December 7th this year by 6 p.m. Then we go into a transaction freeze until January 15th. I'm in on that. I think that creates urgency on both ends of that date. So you can get fired up for what's to come. I think you bring the free agents to the winter meetings, too. And yes, have exactly. all meetings they, they take place in the site. As opposed to at complexes. They used to do that. Bring it back. I don't know. I, I'm sick of listening to Scott Boris and his holding court. I was once stuck in the middle of that once. It's no fun. It's it's really no fun. It, you're just sitting here like, are you serious? Are you a serious guy? Whatever. He's the most powerful agent, arguably in sports. But that's going to do it for my show. My thanks to Matt Sossler on the ones and twos. I'm Dom Catronio. See you next week. Keep on swinging.